0: Warning, this podcast contains adult language and is not suited for children. Do you remember
1: back in the day watching Backlash and they would have on the entranceway those giant hook things that would swing back and forth?
0: Yeah, there was one time where Jeff Hardy hit someone with a Huracurana off of one. It was cool.
1: yeah, 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 I love those things. I, those, and, and I always was like, wait... They have to have somebody backstage who would operate them, right? Because they would turn off sometimes so they wouldn't just hit someone on their entrance. Because the Undertaker was driving a motorcycle and like what happened? It, hopefully he's insured. So, yeah, we're talking backlash. WrestleMania backlash tonight, everybody. And I know it, it happened a little while ago, but we made it. We'll get to it. And uh, we are back. Back here to talk all things wrestling at the Squared Circle sit down. He's Drake. I'm Joe. You're you. Thank you for joining us on wherever you're listening to us, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or if you're listening to us over on YouTube, where you're hopefully will join in the conversation, give us a comment, like, share, or subscribe. We thank you very much. You can also find us over on Twitter if you want to join us there at Squared Circle SD. Yeah, so WrestleMania Backlash is in the books, and it was WrestleMania Night 3, kind of. Yeah, with we. A bunch we, of rematches.
0: Yeah, I mean, we kind of expected that. Um, I will say that at least two of those rematches, though, were definitely better than the first time out. Uh, definitely higher rated, in my opinion. Speaking of which, don't forget, you can also rate us on Spotify. I'm just going to stick that in there. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. I hey, got you. Uh, but yeah, so it was one of those things where I feel like, uh, uh, some of these matches definitely were better than the original, although I don't understand why we needed to do it again for that to happen.
1: Welcome to WWE, where that's what we do. (sighs) Uh, Yeah. So let's run down the card. The, The opening match on this show was the rematch, the Cody Rhodes and Seth freaking Rollins go at it again, and Cody Rhodes is still the better man. Uh, maybe match of the night uh possibly i i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that actually there were some pretty good matches on this card i oh. think bell to bell start to finish very condensed card only six matches they were all pretty good i don't think too many of them had any consequences that anybody really cares about i think this will be a forgotten pay-per-view when it's all said and done, people are not going back back to watch too much from this one. No. But Cody and Seth, it's Cody and Seth, right? We said this at WrestleMania. Cody's very good in the ring. Seth is very good in the ring. They play well off of each other. We know that from back in the day. It hasn't really changed. Cody seems in his element for the WWE fan base. They're still rallying behind him. Seth is still Seth uh, doing his thing. It's great.
0: I will say, though, that the way that this match ends makes it pretty obvious that there's going to be more. And, like, we've seen that that there's more Cody Seth in the pipeline from recent episodes. Uh, so it it's a little eh in so much as, like, okay, he came back at WrestleMania, he had this match. He had this match again, and now we're gearing up for a third one, except the same person won the first two. So does it really matter what happens next here?
1: So Helena in a Cell is up next, and I do wonder if this is one of the matches that gets into uh, Cell, maybe. It's totally possible, yeah. I think maybe it's a situation of, this is less about Cody and more about Seth, and I'm hoping that it leads somewhere for him, maybe storyline progression, character change, whatever the case may be. I don't think a big character change, but just something to give him some direction going forward of if he takes three consecutive losses to the same guy maybe it pushes him in a different direction
0: but i don't know yeah that's totally fair uh and cody is like the poster for hell in a cell right it's just like him he's the only one on it i think
1: well we are pretty sure that somebody else is not going to be on it but we'll get to that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's true fair enough uh So I I do think that it it will probably be one of those matches, although the posters are not always something you can use as a metric to figure that out.
1: Totally fair. So uh, yeah, I'll agree with you quickly that, that this may be the match of the night. I think there are two other things that depending upon your point of view could have been and we'll get to them shortly, but uh, up second, we had the, another rematch of uh, Omos this time defeats Bobby Lashley. And I think this match just went too long. Yeah,
0: you know, it, it almost going-
1: went nine minutes, and it did not need to be that long.
0: Yeah, that was my my segue into this match was was going to be. You know, it wasn't match of the night. Th- this match, this match was not match of the night. Yeah. I understand that they wanted to like provide more opportunity for things to happen in this match with them, but Omas is just not ready or polished enough for that. Like no, taking nothing away from Lashley, and I'm still pretty high on Omas, Omas's potential, but he's not where they want him to be, and definitely not where they need him to be. Considering they've gotten rid of every other giant they have, but they're trying to make him already fit that role, and it's just not working.
1: He's limited in the ring, and I don't mean to say like he's like great Kali limited in the ring, but like he's not gonna he's there to do giant stuff and it's cool you put him with mvp but like i don't like the idea that like giants need help to win matches cuz bobby lashley didn't really need help to win matches and yeah i i don't know it, it seems weird it seems a little off i hope bobby lashley does more big things because i'm more of a fan of him omas i i don't know i'm always scared to see somebody like him who just isn't ready yet being pushed maybe too hard, too fast. Cause we've seen again, guys like Ray Kali be shot into the championship picture, win the championship on occasion. And Oh man, the reception is not good.
0: Yeah. The reception, the result, the matches, it's just the most obvious result of, of really bad planning. Um, And that's honestly one of the better outcomes compared to, you know, potentially something like Naya or Ridge Holland, and I'm not I'm not putting those two in the same category, but just more examples of, of people who maybe weren't ready for the spots given the spots and you know, we've seen how that can turn out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So more positively, even though there's a dumb thing that I'm gonna get to with the next match, is uh, we get again the rematch, but this time we get the opposite result. So we fifty-fifty'd it of Edge defeats AJ this time, but uh how we got there at the end i so damien priest who is hanging out with edge now in judgment day is banned from ringside so he comes out toward the end of the match on the aisle way and he stops right before he gets to the the ringside matted area and even commentary like calls it out of oh, well, he's not technically at ringside because that's, what, like, if he took one more step forward, it is, so it's like a, there's an <laughs> invisible line that mm-hmm. once he crosses it would be a disqualification or something, or he's breaking the rules. I don't, I don't even know, like, whenever they put these stipulations, do people get disqualified if they come out? Like, I guess, referee discretion? Okay. And it's,
0: it's it's extra weird because, like like, sometimes they'll be like, if they do, then they will be fired or suspended or fined, and other times it's just they're not allowed. That's that's it. And to the merit of like these matches, usually they don't show up. Usually.
1: So you imagine there's like this invisible punishment that is gonna be levied against them in some major way. Yeah. But in WWE with authority figures when we don't know who they are sometimes. Sure. That's fine. But then Finn Balor comes out and to even the odds, even though Priest isn't actually interfering, just kind of distracting AJ, and then brawls with Priest into the ring, which distracts everybody, and then we get a a hooded figure jumps the barricade wearing Rhea Ripley's pants, and everyone (laughs) is, is, oh, who could this person be? And of course because you know the commentary is so subtle with these things i guarantee vince thought he was pulling the wool over everybody's eyes they i think byron saxton is a guy who immediately starts saying like who is he who is that man who is he over and over again yeah and only for it to be revealed uh later after helping to screw aj out of the wind that it isn't of course rhea ripley is wearing rhea ripley's pants who knew
0: could see that coming.
1: You have the newest member of Judgment Day. Uh,
0: yeah, def- definitely one of those things where I-, I think Vince McMahon's in the back patting himself uh, for for getting that done well. But even if it was kind of sloppy, even if it definitely could have been handled better by everyone involved, I still think this is a good thing. Ray Ripley joining Judgment Day is huge. I think there's a lot of people who have been calling for her to go back to that sort of like brooding, like brutal, violent force that she was. When she first, like, arrived. And I, I think this is going to be really good for her career. Putting her with Edge, obviously, it only should have upsides. I really dig what the, they've been doing with the gimmick and the character. and the, the next night on Raw, when Edge comes out with the two of them, right? There's this really cool moment where he's walking down the ramp and they've got the wings. And the camera hits the angle just right where it looks like the wings are coming out of Edge's back and they're wrapped almost around Priest and Rhea, which is really, really cool. Uh, I, I I, think there's so much potential for them, even with kind of the weird start.
1: And to be fair, I harped on the dumb negative part here. The match itself, I think, was in a way better than the WrestleMania match. It was shorter, but it was uh, more concise, more precise, more uh, targeted and it fit better on the card where you had like the long bloated WrestleMania night where they had a long and somewhat bloated match. Mm-hmm. The crowd was way more into this one because it was a little more point to point. We're going to hit our spots. We're going to hit our moments. And it doesn't feel like we're going to drag this out for a really long time.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: So moving on from there, the other match, which maybe could be somebody's match for the night and the, Only match of real consequence on this whole show is you have Ronda Rousey makes Charlotte Flair say that she quits to win the SmackDown Women's Championship in a match that is definitively better than their WrestleMania match, not by far. And, uh, it, if I was entertained, this, this is one of those matches that felt, it felt, um, it didn't feel as long as it was i think that's the best way to say that in the, in a good way where i looked up and said wow 16 minutes have passed already damn because these two beat each other pillar to post the entire time and you have ronda goes full on uh, beast mode to just uh storyline break charlotte's arm to win
0: oh is that is that confirmed is that what they're going with
1: I believe that's what they're going with to write her off because oh, wow. she is uh, IRL getting married to Andrade. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're off
0: wedding planning. Which, congratulations. Um, it, it felt like a fight, which I think is a really big deal. Uh, it needed that stark contrast to what happened last time. It's kind of needed to be this sort of vibe for a long time with, with the build up to this. This was the right stipulation with the right kind of match played out the right way. And Ronda very much needed this one.
1: Oh, yeah, because she can't. This is one of the things we talked about beforehand. She can't lose a situation like this. You, yeah. Ronda Rousey, not even just a baby face. Ronda Rousey losing an
0: I quit match
1: makes no sense.
0: No, not, not unless you're uh, doing something very tongue-in-cheek.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then another moment I just need to bring up quickly uh, from SmackDown. Uh, Raquel now Rodriguez oh, right, yeah, had yeah. a one-on-one match with Ronda Rousey uh, a short match but got a lot of offense in and looked pretty damn good against her and in something where it almost feels too soon or something that could set up for a major showdown maybe in the future
0: interesting yeah I haven't I haven't watched uh, that episode of Smackdown yet but that's that's really interesting to hear uh, yeah, it's
1: just a, uh, it's something new, something fresh, and I, you know, it wasn't like oh Rhonda just squashed her,
0: which is good. I mean, again, uh, we talked about it a couple minutes ago with uh, Omas, right? Where the women's division needs these big bruisers, and we're seeing Rhea kind of come back into that role. Hopefully now with Judgment Day, but that's Thank over God. on Raw. Agreed, and that's over on Raw. But here on SmackDown, they need someone and. Raquel, uh, what do you say her new name is? Rodriguez?
1: Yeah, it used to be Gonzalo- Gonzalez. Now yeah. it's Rodriguez, I believe.
0: Okay, and, and she's a great person for that role. I mean, I've said before, I'm not the biggest fan of hers, which still is the case, but there's no denying that what she does, she she can do fine at. And I think that the women's division on SmackDown will definitely benefit from it. Especially Agreed. if they're positioning her that way.
1: Agreed. Uh, yeah, if, if you're going back to watch this show it's probably for this match, or this moment at the very least, because everything from here on out meant nothing. <laughs> so, going very forward, uh, quickly forward,
0: we have Madcap Moss beats Happy
1: Corbin. K. Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the expected result, right? Um, it's, it's the breather match to get us to the main event. It's the grudge match that no one really wants, but Moss Moss is going to get over and and is going to get audience reaction strictly by being against Corbin, which is kind of why Corbin exists, right? He's a heat machine who, even if you argue that it's go-away heat, it's still the kind of thing where anyone they put against him who gets their stuff in and humiliates him or beats him is going to get over, at least in the immediate. And there are people who could have fit that situation worse than Mad Cat Moss. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's fair I'm, I'm trying to be nice i'm trying
1: uh, that's fine and and then you have the main event which was the match that didn't need to exist was supposed to be something else but happened anyway the nice. six-man tag of the bloodline versus rk bro and drew mcintyre and for nothing no titles online no title unification no world title on the line not all titles on the line. nothing just just a six-man tag and then the bloodline wins anyway, where Roman defeats Riddle in the end, I believe is how that went down Weird. in in a good match. It's, it's a fine match that seems to solidify. Roman does not have a challenger lined
0: up. Right. I've heard, I've, so I haven't watched this match. I'll be honest. I haven't watched the main event yet, um, but I've, I've heard good things about it. I've heard that it, it yeah. felt kind of like a PWG style match and it's pacing and in some of the spots that happened. I know there's one point where Roman like gets the belt, right? And he's like, Oh, yeah. Them over in the middle. It, yeah, it, yeah. The the match, uh, almost because it had no stakes, sounds like it was able to be a little more fun than anything else. And like Randy Orton and and Riddle are 100% like the epitome of fun in wrestling right now for WWE. Uh, Although... Yeah, putting putting Roman over specifically Riddle is kind of weird. Uh, because of the three of them, I feel like he's the one with the most room left to grow into a main eventer versus the other two, where Orton taking a loss literally never hurts him. And we've We're gonna do McIntyre Roman anyway, give McIntyre the loss and have him have something he has to avenge as they go into uh, uh what's the what's the event that they're doing called? I don't remember.
1: Oh the one over in the UK? Yeah, yeah. It's uh something in the castle. Like Clash in the Castle or something, something like, that.
0: like that. But yeah, like give him give him a reason to have to get revenge and and overcome the tribal chief.
1: Something like that. Which you know Drew got put through a table by him. So Sure. There's a little something in the match. It it very much felt like a really cool house show main event match that would have popped the crowd huge you know you got rk pro like doing all their stuff together all over the place like they're the, one of the hottest acts in wrestling like yeah. all of wrestling okay. which is crazy to say but it's true um but the bigger news to all of this is it seems like roman has signed a new deal where he's going to be transitioning more into I'm not necessarily doing all of the live events anymore. I'm not even doing every single pay-per-view slash premium live event, whatever the hell they're supposed to be called, every year. And so he's not going to be at Hell in a Cell.
0: Yeah. uh, Roman, I mean, it's time, right? Roman is in this place where he's definitely in what feels like the closing chapter of his career. If, If not for his age, then just because what's what's left right uh uh he's he's won both belts he's beaten brock lesnar resoundingly he's beaten all challengers he's cemented his legacy no matter what happens next there will never come a time where he can really be more than what he is now and i think that that's important on top of that he's kind of setting a a a hallmark almost or, or like a capstone by being like, okay, from here, it's time for me to, you know, follow in the predecessors and do more with myself. I have I have kids. I have a family. I want to have time to spend at home. I don't want to burn myself out doing this for another ten years, five years even necessarily on a full-time schedule. When I could be at home running after my kids. Where I could be doing another movie in Hollywood. Where I can be... Doing whatever I want. That's not taking bumps on a piece of hardwood six times a week.
1: Also, he's somebody who's beaten cancer twice. Yep. So, like, this is something where you get to a certain age, and you know, hell, I've have cancer survivors in my family. I've seen what that process goes goes like. It's not fun at all. Yep. Um, takes a lot out of you for a long time. And I cannot imagine he is feeling better than ever after doing that. Yeah. So I, it's something where eventually I think he just is like, hey, like, pay me. I'll show up. I'll do what I do. But I do not want to be on the road anymore 300 plus days a year. Thank you. <laughs> I need to rest. Okay, thanks.
0: Yeah, I applaud him for not only doing it, but for not only wanting it, but being able to pull that off. And just as a quick aside, I a hundred percent believe that Paul Heyman played a role in making that happen.
1: Totally fair. And I, I think going forward, it's going to be a thing of hell in a cell might set up a big challenger for him, potentially maybe Cody. And uh, it's the one. It seems like we're also finally getting the title, the tag title unification match. So we could have the, I guess the, not the UU, but like the UU-adjacent tag titles.
0: Yep. And uh, WWE multi-show undisputed tag team champions of the WWE multiverse.
1: I'm not even going to try to figure out what that's spelled. (laughs) but yeah there's just some interesting things coming I don't think this was a bad show by any means I uh, we've done it so far so I'm gonna stick to it of like we have our list number one we have Wrestlemania night two number two we have Wrestlemania night one a distant number three we have day one <laughs> a distant number four we have the Royal Rumble and number five the thing that happened overseas somewhere
0: yeah uh, So is this better than WrestleMania? I don't think so. I don't think. It's better I don't than think. Either. I think this is
1: number three with a bullet.
0: Yeah, I I happen to agree wholeheartedly.
1: Okay, just getting that out there. Yeah. I I think in a weird way, this was pretty positive.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I I don't even think in a weird way. I think just overall this was pretty positive. There were two matches that we kind of gl- glanced over because they didn't matter. Well, a lot more than that didn't matter, but. Two matches that we kind of glanced over because who cares? But the big matches on this card felt like big matches on this card. And the main event, even though nothing was on the line, got pretty positive reviews from what I've seen.
1: Yeah. All things considered, like, I will not go back and watch this. No. But if I had to, okay. I'll probably be entertained again.
0: So, um, switching gears a little bit. We we you know went over WrestleMania backlash. We talked about some of the about the positive things from WWE. This is gonna be a weird episode, by the way. By the way, because we we just spent twenty some like twenty something minutes talking mostly positive about the WWE. Uh, it's all downhill from here. So,
1: Damn, <laughs> it's true. No so, no, there's some good things to mention later. Don't worry.
0: There are some good things to mention, but you will notice a change from our normal. Uh, uh, course of action anyway new japan can we talk about new japan for a bit new japan kota ibushi having some kind of uh uh, fallout
1: oof i i have a few very targeted thoughts about this so i'm gonna defer to you because you know way more about new japan and you explain this to me so please take the floor
0: i'll admit that i wasn't really following a lot of the uh stuff on twitter Up until recently, because, you know, I can't read Japanese, but (laughs) so it all started uh, a little while back where uh, Koda Ibushi said that he's going to expose stuff about former cheaters and uh, sexually harassing bosses and lies from the company and harassment and then he called out a couple tv states he called out like tv asahi and tokyo sports which is you know a a way to go about things um he to to make a long story short because we don't want to be here for 20 30 minutes just going over this there had been some issues between him and new japan specifically an executive at new japan who had been pushing him to make a return to the ring before he felt like he was ready uh he initially told them he didn't feel ready at which point they gave him the time off, but then announced him for the New Japan Cup, which he took to Twitter and expressed that he had... He he, he was very clearly surprised that he had been announced for it. They pulled him from it because, again, he made it clear he was not ready. The uh, executive from New Japan wasn't pleased about this, brought up a couple of other things that had happened with him making an appearance at, like, Tako Michinoku's promotion in the audience, not, like, in the ring or anything, him showing up at, like, a kickboxing event and the way that, that people started talking about that. And there were times where Koda sort of lashed out on Twitter at Takeman Shinoku and lashed out at Taichi uh, in sort of, like, passive-aggressive ways where it, it's kind of a muddled situation. It seems like ultimately what's going on here is one of the guys that Dick Togo brought in, which is the New Japan executive, was really pressuring Ibushi to come back and wrestle before he felt he was ready to go ibushi did not handle that particularly well uh and then when it was presented that neither party really wanted to uh budge on the way that they were they were moving forward on this situation ibushi eventually was like okay well if that's the way it's gonna be do what you're gonna do what you know whatever and they're like well we don't want to fire you, but like, don't you think maybe you should take a minute and go, well, if they're talking about fire, maybe I fucked up. And Ibushi's like, whatevs. And now it sounds like the uh, bottom line is they've given Ibushi an ultimatum, wrestle by Dominion, or you will be released.
1: So, oof. um, That is some heavy stuff kind of across the board, right? You have uh, a situation of a guy who is unhappy working at a place. He seems to consider the workplace to be pretty toxic. At the very least, some individuals to be toxic. You have a situation of a guy is like being pushed to work before he feels he is healthy to work. And that's an issue. I could seriously understand where that's a problem. Um, I also kind of understand... Yeah, not saying I agree, but I kind of understand the business perspective of it. Of okay, why are these not internal conversations? Why are you doing this on Twitter?
0: Why um, not go go talk to some someone higher up in the company? Also, uh, now of course maybe
1: he has done that, and we don't know.
0: Well, there was a one of the one of the, the tweets that included like a line conversation between them had. Essentially, brought up that he he hadn't yet, and him saying he was going to, so there was there was definitely a period of time between what during this conflict when he hadn't, and um, to be fair, this also isn't the first time that he and this executive have had issues. Uh, back in 2018, he and this person had some heat about uh, merch royalties because Ibushi felt like he wasn't getting enough. Uh, And it also wasn't the only problem people had in the company with this executive because he was released in 2019 and it wasn't until 2020 when Dick Togo got more power within the company that he brought him back.
1: And I am far from an expert on Japanese culture and Japanese businesses. So I will refrain from talking specifics. I do know that they are very different in some very specific ways from how things operate in the United States yep. in terms of laws, in terms of practices, in terms of culture, all of that stuff. So I don't know what the best way to handle this would have been. Um, so it, even if they're saying it isn't, I like, this isn't it. I, I can't tell you what it should have been, but this seems like kind of the end of Kodobushi Ibushi in new Japan.
0: It It is sounding that way. Um, After the New Japan Cup, there was a long time where there was no communication between him and New Japan whatsoever. um, Until, you know, he started pouring out these tweets again. And then he was given, as far as we know, uh, reported, I think, first by Voices of Wrestling, I think, was, you know, be here for Dominion or get your walking papers. Uh, It's also kind of a weird situation where you know, like you said, with Japan, the work ethic is very different, and the way that things are perceived is very different, and it puts Ibushi in a kind of weird position, where there's a lot of people in Japan who have been sort of vocal about calling it a meltdown, or saying that he was unprofessional, this wasn't the way he should have done it, uh, he's, he's also, you know, made some apologies, not about the situation, but about the way he's done it, uh, but at the same time, if you look at the Japanese pro wrestling landscape, there aren't many other options for him. Uh, if you look at, like, like DDT is just not big enough for a guy as big as Kota Ibushi. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, the other, like, major companies, Noah's having a lot of problems right now with backstage politicking. Uh, uh, you've got um AJPW's having a lot of problems with backstage politics. There's a lot of places where people are in positions and are pushing older talent over the younger talent, sometimes to huge detriment, and that's a, a problem for a guy like Kota Ibushi. So he really is in a in a pretty bad spot as far as being able to continue doing what he wants to do in Japan. If he not if he to mention
1: not to mention, he'd also probably have to take a
0: huge pay cut for that too. Oh sure, absolutely, yeah. There's nowhere that's gonna in Japan. There's nowhere that's gonna pay him what New Japan pays. I don't think anywhere will pay him what New Japan him, except for maybe WWE, which I, I still can't imagine is an option for him in his mind.
1: Hmm. I also think that based on a lot of the backstage changes that have happened in recent years, they may not want him. Like, yeah. the, the people in charge right now in WWE who are scouting talent are probably looking a lot more homegrown, younger, oh, yeah. uh, from, like, parts of the world that people are not looking at right now scouting people who are like just athletic or something like that you know look at what nxt 2.0 is
0: well yeah look at look at the way the wwe now is doing the whole like um the the collegiate athlete uh contracts Mm -hmm. right where they're like signing them to help them grow brands with the intent of making them wrestlers
1: exactly so, it does beg the question
0: of then, what about AEW? Uh, that, that's, yeah, that, I mean, then that's a good question. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who will go to bat for him. Uh, he's probably the biggest name they could pick up right now, theoretically at least. Uh, and then it just becomes a question of, okay, well, what, if any, strain does that put on the New Japan-AEW relationship? Is it enough of a strain to create problems down the line or is it enough of a problem even maybe that they won't do it like tony's gonna be like look i get it but this is really important to me and and so we can't touch him right now because of this which i i don't think it will be that last one but it can be yeah
1: i i couldn't even comment on it i could speculate for days but some of it is, as I said before, like not knowing some of these key details.
0: It's way over my head. Yeah. I mean, w- one thing I think we can say for sure is uh, New Japan needs AEW a lot more than AEW needs New Japan right now. And I think that's, that's something that has almost kind of been hammered into AEW fans' heads in the entirety of the time that AEW and New Japan have been working together is very much that fact right? They're very careful not to be reliant on New Japan guys. They're very careful not to put them, at least up until now, in huge positions. They kind of have them rely on the renown they had before they got here and and keep them there. Uh, which, again, could change with the way that this relationship has evolved, but it, it's been very careful thus far, and so Tony could also be like, hey, we're gonna sign this guy, because this is literally a dream scenario, right? Putting Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi back in the same company. Putting Koda Ibushi in a company with guys like CM Punk, with guys like Brian Danielson. There's so many matches. And I we could spend minutes and minutes and minutes talking about that. Where Tony could just be like, look, this is a thing we're doing. We won't put him on Forbidden Door. We won't have him against any of your guys. We'll never have him featured on TV with them. But I would be a fool to say no to this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, he's a free agent talent. If you didn't want him to be a free agent talent, why'd you get rid of him?
0: Yep. So I guess that brings us to uh, AEW then. Ooh, lots to talk
1: about this week for AEW.
0: Lots to talk about this week
1: for AEW. All right, let's quickly get to a good one because hashtag always send hook and now we can say hashtag send hook housing.
0: Ah, and they have their first booked match and I'm so excited.
1: Yes, uh, everything about this was absolutely brilliant. To Tony Nice squashing Danhausen, to Hook coming in for the save, uh, to Mark Sterling's gonna get his ass kicked. This is all great. This is great. It's it's how you do it. I assume Sterling's gonna take the fall, and it would just mean like oh, yeah. you protect Tony Nice in the process. It's great. All of this so great. Whoever's booking this, book everything. Thank you.
0: So we talked about a couple things last week, and one of the things that we talked about was my uh, reluctance to see more of the Undisputed Era on my television on Wednesday nights and Friday nights. And I will say that there was a moment when, so Dynamite starts, opening video package, and then immediately his music hits, Adam Cole comes out, and I have a moment where I'm like, "Come the fuck on. And then I go, wait, wait, no, this is good. We're going to get this out of the way at the top of the night, and then I won't have to worry about it again until next week.
1: Okay, this is good. Now let's get into this. Men's Owen Hart Cup, right? So we've got some, we had two round one matches this week. Mm -hmm. And strangely enough, we're getting the semifinal
0: next week. It's very strange. I don't know if maybe it's a booking issue with the Joker or something, but like, I don't know. It's very weird. It's very weird. I don't like it.
1: Okay, but so, as you said, we open up with Cole versus Dax, and Cole defeats Dax. So, Adam Cole moving on to round two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Drake. I'm sorry. And but You
0: know what, though? It was a good match, though. It was a good match. Oh, definitely. Uh, they told a good story, and again, it's one of those things where FTR is the best acting team of all time, and you got to see kind of why each part of this this group is whenever you see them in singles matches, because they're still fantastic storytellers.
1: Yep. And this also was a thing, if you've been following along with everything, how much they are Bret Hart fans to the core, and then you have Cole coming in, channeling Shawn Michaels, being that absolute dastardly heel who's going to get him to, like, submit with a sharpshooter because he can do that, because he's just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I get it. This is a thing. I wish this were a semifinal match. Same. But... I get it. I, I get it. It's interesting. I still, I think Cole
0: makes finals, but like, uh, we'll see. We'll I also see. think Cole makes finals, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. Uh, I also will say, though, that it's it feels almost like a 4D chess move in that regard, where it's like, okay, well, this does feel like a like a, a semi-final match. So by putting it on as a quarterfinal match with a guy that you know is pulling heat, and a guy who has a legitimate story that has led him to this point you do pick up more heat for Adam Cole.
1: True. Very true. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to stick with the tournament and just get that going. Yeah, or... let's do it.
0: We can talk about the tournament and then we'll come back. Alright,
1: so the main event of the night, which was also a very good match. Oh yeah. Uh, which was not a traditional singles match. This was anything goes of Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen because, yeah, well they know what they're working with, right? This is, <laughs> yeah. this is what they're doing. The, the two of them are the crazy guys who go out there? And, Let's throw ourselves at the other person as much as possible until one of us doesn't get up anymore.
0: And what Jeff Hardy wins? <laughs> yeah, um, this match was crazy. the The spots were, I, I mean, what you'd expect, I guess, from Darby and Jeff. Although my heart stopped when Darby jumped off that ladder. Uh, that was. Terrifying the way he comes down. He only like sort of lands on Jeff, and he definitely takes one of those chairs to what looked like a, like a rib or a kidney. Oh and yeah, I was like, oh man, that was horrifying. And, and Jeff with it, the
1: like, swan on to the outside.
0: Oh, on the, um, on, the, on, the on the steel steps. You. Oh my goodness, what a what a that one. That one is one of those ones where you know. We know the steps are not these unforgiving steel things that they want us to feel like they are, but man, it looked so brutal. It looked so brutal and it, it, it really sold what they were trying to sell.
1: Yep. Okay. So one, this reinforces that Drake and I can't predict anything. (laughs) Both of us walking in last week saying like, Oh, I guess it depends on the Joker, but Darby probably wins this tournament. Cool. He's out round one. Awesome uh nailed it is there the tiniest of chances that jeff wins this whole thing
0: like i don't I, buy that he gets past cole i don't I, buy i don't him. either but if he does oh if jeff hardy beats adam cole he probably wins yeah but right i I, I almost speculate? would be upset about that right because Of all the people you have in this tournament, right, who either are AEW talent that need to be grown or could use the, like, win, or guys like Samoa Joe who have been shelved for a while, really, who could benefit from being put in those positions, or whoever the hell the Joker ends up being, Jeff Hardy feels like kind of the second least exciting winner of this tournament next to Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah. So could he? Yeah, Willie. I don't think so. Mm. Pretty, good.
1: Pretty, just, pretty good I have to note that like my one note I did write down for this match was just "Holy
0: shit, they're dead." <laughs> it's a good note. It's a good note because yeah, it describes the entire match. Darby, Darby with the the coffin drop right onto the apron.
1: Oh man.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a great match. Though these guys did what they did really well. I'm not surprised. You know, it, it very much was the car crash. It needed to be.
1: Yep. Yep. Agreed. Definitely agreed. So uh, that was all we got out of the men's tournament, and uh, we, I think we can cover a couple other things and come back to the women's tournament because that also extends into Rampage.
0: Okay. Sure.
1: And I, I want to get to some stuff for Rampage because that's oh, that's that's important. So sure. Sure. a big thing to note is uh. Finally, we've talked about some of these trios for a while and some of these factions, and we have some direction for the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah. Finally, Woo. which this should be exciting. And uh, coming out, and it looks like they're entering a feud with
0: the Jericho Appreciation Society. So this is one of those things where it... This episode in total, in its totality... Did a lot to restore some of the faith that I've been losing in the company lately. And this is definitely a big part of that. They AEW's done such a good job of not forgetting friendships and relationships and interactions between different parts of the show, even if they're not directly involved in the storyline right now. And this was such a great example of that, right? Where, you know... Not forgetting that Mox and Kingston are, are, are bros is huge. That's a big deal. And having, you know, the rest of the Combat Club club come out to back him up, obviously. And, you know, we've got some history with Jericho and Mox as well, uh, obviously. And this, this was just really, really great to see. Also, Angelo called a, the audience the AEW Galaxy. And I can't under, <laughs> understate how happy that made me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the details, I got to stress the details. Every week, it feels like they add more. They update the entrance for how many weeks they've been a thing. Yeah, oh, It's so good. Such good stuff. I, I do want to put out a thing. Like, a while back, I threw out the idea that I thought 2.0 should have just won the Tag Team Championships at a certain point in time, just to be like those those heels that you just want to see lose, but somehow they keep winning. And this was like back when they were just winning random matches with roll-ups.
0: Sure. (laughs) And I was
1: like, okay, but now legitimately, I kind of want to see Garcia face Yuta for that ROH uh, pure championship. Same. I kind of want to see that happen because why not have somebody chase the heel? Have the sports entertainer winning all of the pure wrestling matches. And maybe he cheats. Whatever. But, like, why not? Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. It'd be great. I I don't think it will happen because I think Yuta's going to have some time with that belt. Me too. Um, Me too. But still, I'd like to see it. Yeah, yeah. That would be a lot of fun. I almost am tempted to be like, well, Double or Nothing's coming up, Stadium Stampede. (laughs) Stadium Stampede? Let's go. One more again. Right? Let's Come do on. it. Uh but we'll see. I I don't know what we're going to do. I hope we don't just do like a 6 on 6 or 5 on 5 or whatever. I really hope there's like something interesting about the match when it happens.
1: Well, first we have to have William Regal versus Chris Jericho. <laughs> Cuz that hand to the face. Oh yeah. Was nice.
0: Yep. You got to you got to respect the power, the power of the punch.
1: Yep. Power of the punch. It's bl- he's blessed. Yep, he is so, blessed.
0: So while we're talking about uh, uh, things that kind of restored some faith, I want to talk about Punk, uh, Punk Silver. Okay. Because that, okay, was, that's a good that one. was, I think, a, a really good one. So um, you know, Punk walking out in the the Tavares jersey was huge. What a great way to get heat! I couldn't see the name at first, and I'm like, he's facing John Silver, who's the hometown boy. Why is he coming out in an Islanders jersey? And then he turns, and I'm like. All right, that's good.
1: <laughs> he did it. I mean, he he shit on the Islanders last time too. When I mean, he does <laughs> the entire NHL apparently uh, loves to do that. So yeah, yeah. Like I like the consistency. I, I love it of Punk's feud versus Long Island.
0: Yeah, uh, we had we had the you know Dark Order exists uh, minus Stu Grayson, which you know still sucks, but. We we had the Dark Order there. There's still a thing that was really promising. Uh, we still kind of have the energy with them in Hangman. Uh, Punk very much was the bad guy here, which is really good. Uh, his whole I used to wake up every morning line was also really good. Uh, but I have one tiny problem with this, which is at the end of it all, after like Punk kicks the shit out of John Silver and the two of them have their stare down, I would have really liked to see Hangman walk out with John Silver, helping him to the back. Because we're still kind of in this situation where it keeps feeling every week like, all right, Hangman's made it to the top and now he's forgotten his friends and is more interested in the title than anyone else. And even here where he makes it to the ring because he's, you know, doesn't, he's pissed. Because not only did his friend just get beat, his friend just got beat with his finish. Mm. But at the end of it, his concern is the guy who's challenging me for my title and not, you know, the the people who were there to support him. And I, I still don't love that. But ultimately, overall, I still think this segment was a lot more in line with what we need to be seeing. From them.
1: There isn't too much for me to add to this. This is absolutely... I echo the same thing. I I would have loved to see a little thing there where maybe even you had something where like he, he put the title belt down and there was an option of like, do I go to John silver or do I go pick up the title? And he's, he's ultimately way more concerned with going, picking up the title than going to John silver. Just that thing of like, this is where his focus is right now. Like he is willing to forsake his friends to retain the title. And that is like a big vital piece of this story that's being told. But it's fine. There's still room for this. We still got a couple of weeks to go. I would. Lo- I, I'm looking forward to this more now than I was before. Yeah. In terms of story, not I just mean, the match. I think the match is going to be great anyway. So
0: oh, the match is going to be great, but also, I mean, I'm, I'm once again soundly back in the place of like Hang- Hangman wins. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree. But then again, you know, we can't predict anything, so <laughs> that's that's fair. So uh, the MJF Wardlow signing fantastic yes. segment from start to finish seeing MJF not have to switch his character at all but still get to sort of like revel in being the hometown hero was great <sighs> it was one of those things where it very much is like well I'm amazing and I'm from here so clearly this place is amazing too. We're- the most magical place on earth. Right and it works really well for his character to allow him to be the hometown hero without having to be a hero
1: the even his uh shout out to the people in the nosebleeds of you're poor <laughs> like but you're still cool
0: he's still cool yeah, yeah.
1: oh man oh yeah. the,
0: the dark side of the ring segment the dark side of the ring like the the video package wow. that the, amazing dark side of the ring what was it long island hero right
1: yes yes so that, they did this last time too right
0: um they did a similar one i don't think it was the the I don't think they themed it the same way.
1: No, 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 no. But they did like a video package for yeah. him last time too.
0: Yeah, they did a video package for him last time too. But but this was this is so good. I, I enjoyed this so much. Um getting the the 10 from Sean Spears. And you know what? People still cheered for Wardlow. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which is a damn good sign. Not at first.
1: No, no, but no. But it no.
0: grew very well. Yes.
1: But there were noticeable vocal cheers for Wardlow, especially at the end of that segment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So one thing that I actually just want to harp on that, uh, not from this segment, from a a match, is uh, we got the match of Ricky Starks versus Jungle Boy for the FCW title. And, okay, one, Ricky Starks makes me more and more of a fan of his every single time I see him. I'm a fan of Jungle Boy, definitely. And this match went how I thought it was going to go of, you know, Starks needs to retain. So bet. Ricky Starks does so many things in the ring that, that people don't do. And I love him for it. There were moments where jungle boy is going to like, pick him up from a seated position. And he's like actively shaking jungle boy off. As he's getting up, so like he's still getting up, he's still doing what the the motion that needs to happen to keep the match going forward, but he's still in all of his little nuances actively making it look like, no, I don't want to be grabbed by my opponent. That's a bad thing. Yeah. And the facial expressions from both of them, but mainly Starks, everything he does gets sold to the nth degree and it's not overselling. It's just the right amount. Yep. And I-, I love him for it. It's great. Awesome match. Another great piece of the show.
0: Yeah, both both guys are, you know, the future of this company, hands down. And we, we got to see it here. Uh, another thing I really enjoyed was the resolution of this match. While a little wonky, but, like, fine. Made me really excited for the premise of, like, Uh, Team Taz versus Keith Lee and uh, uh, Shane Strickland, or Swerve Strickland, sorry, Swerve Strickland versus the Lucha Express. I'd really like to see that triple threat tag team match. I think that has legs for sure. Uh, I almost uh, wonder if it happens... I almost wonder if it's the catalyst for them losing the tag titles and the inevitable... Christian turn to put over Jungle Boy. Uh, and also, just real quick, uh, props to Keith Lee, who has considerably cut more weight.
1: Good, good. I'm hoping he keeps going. I hope he keeps getting that cardio game up so he's in the best shape he can be in because we know how good he can be when he is at 100%. And yeah. it looks like he's getting there. It looks like they're giving him time to get there, which is also great. And him being in a tag team for a while helps even more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all positive things. And speaking of positive things, thank it happened. <laughs> it, finally <laughs> happened. it finally happened. Finally happened after nine hundred thousand backstage segments since the day they were born at the hospital. Their parents were given a match card. <laughs> tony storm Jamie hater they finally figured out where the wrestling ring is and they ended up there at the same
0: time one-on-one in that very ring that's a that's something you'll get it's a joke for later oh bitch let's go
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man so all right i you spoke more uh than i did about this in terms of like the style and you know you could see the origins and stuff like i i didn't follow any of them before WWE and AEW. Okay. Fan of both. I like both of them so much. I still say Jamie Hayter has the best brain buster in business. Agreed. Um, just awesome. And this match is, ex- we predicted this one, right? Tony Storm wins and probably wins the whole tournament. Yep. But oh man, if you want to build a match for six months, this is how you do it. <laughs> Go out there and kill it. They were great. This match was awesome. Bell to bell. Loved it. This this is women's wrestling at its finest in AEW. Give me more. K Thanks. Start. Give me a backstage segment with them uh, on the next show you have. So we can start setting up the next one because I don't know how long I'll have to wait, but I will wait as patiently as I can because this was really good. Yeah. I am done.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, you definitely could see the stardom influences and for uh for me, who was a stardom fan for a long time, I haven't been keeping up with it as much in the last couple years, but there there are like eras throughout stardom's history, right? And the way that the the women in the company wrestle is different between eras, like it is in any company. And you kind of got to see that in their match in their match. If you're like a big stardom fan and have been have been watching for a while, you could recognize these these slight differences in how they approach things and where they just perfectly clashed and it was so good. They were they were so perfectly in time with the plot that they were trying to tell. They they knew what to do and how to move from one thing to the next to the next. They had good pacing. They had good psychology. They beat the hell out of each other in a way you don't really see in all the women's matches in AEW uh, or in a lot of matches in AEW. But But, man, this was very good. And the finish... Maybe could have been a little bit cleaner, but it still was a great finish.
1: Agreed completely. Now, I know we're being really positive. Is there anything else you want to say for Dynamite before we fall off the cliff that is Rampage?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm striped. I'm strapped in. I am. I am. Let's do it.
1: Okay, cool. Let's, I'll, I'll, let's be fast with some of this. Okay. Because all right. I'll, I'll start with the most positives. Ruby and Riho have a good match. What, ha- what we thought would happen happens, right? Sure. Cool. R- Ruby goes over Riho, on to round two. Bet. Understood. Now, uh, the, the night opens with uh, Death Triangle having their match back together. They win. Cool. And then lights go out. House of Black. Then- okay. <laughs> lights go out house of black is gone because house (laughs) of black has an aversion to having matches
0: or or even segments that that do anything yeah they do not advance the story they just kind of appear yep okay
1: anything else you want to note before we just get to the main event
0: okay yes we saw bear boulder and while i prefer to see bear country together i am always happy to see any part of bear country on tv
1: yeah, is it Sean Spears starting to get his tune-up matches before Wardlow eats him alive?
0: <laughs> oh, and sorry, I didn't mention this when we talked about the segment, but it's a little weird to me. So the the like trials that Wardlow has to go through make a lot more sense than the boss, but <laughs> one of the things that bothers me is it's like, okay, you're going to have a cage match with Sean Spears and I'm going to be the referee. Okay, so you're telling me you want to be locked in a cage with I know. where the only other guy in there with you is Sean Spears? I know. That was a little weird, but yeah. whatever.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> I think this is one that is going to come back to bite ZMJF.
0: Yeah. Oh, and Sean Spears needs more. There are a lot of people this is true about. Sean Spears needs more TV matches. I love his intro. Not just the music, but also like the whole intro and getting to see him and his chairwife are always phenomenal.
1: Also, people may have forgotten this. Sean Spears is actually a pretty good wrestler.
0: Yeah, Sean Spears is, a, is definitely
1: a good wrestler. Yeah. yeah 100%. Like just doesn't get the opportunity to show that off that much. No, he,
0: he's definitely more than a good hand.
1: Okay. So speaking of good wrestlers, uh, we have the segment for the main event, which is the uh, SCU implosion that has already happened, but we're getting it again of uh scorpio sky versus kaz right cool uh frankie is is getting his match that was promised to him because he stepped aside so scorpio could win this thing back from sammy guevara sammy guevara who is with uh ty conti watching on pretty much this whole thing who is being the obnoxious asshole to scorpio sky the whole time okay <sighs> All right. So the promo happens uh, with Mark Henry. It's time for the main event. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, it's his one line. <laughs> cool. And in it, Scorpio Sky's full baby face pushes Ethan Page off, pushes Dan Lambert off saying like, you know, cause he respects Kazarian, but like he's going to bring honor back to this title and he's going to be the face of TNT and they go out there and they actually have a, a banger of a match going back and forth and uh it's all good stuff and then and then and then we get this finish which is okay you know what actually the finish is fine the finish of the match itself is fine where ethan page dan Lambert come out bet they screw over frankie cool scorpio doesn't see it but still takes advantage gets the win okay that makes perfect sense even the part that comes right after it still makes perfect sense of you know ethan page admits to it Of like yeah of course like i did that yeah you're right i did that you know because like we're the men of the year we're uh, america's top team like we're better than this guy like that's what we're here to do right and scorpio is pissed and and then he isn't because he just turns around and is a heel the entire time. And this has all been a setup and they just start double teaming Frankie Kazarian. Okay. That's dumb. But
0: it's if I can interject for one. No, second, go please. What makes it even more frustrating is the, the like story of the match itself doesn't build to this in any way whatsoever. It's very much the, like, get a couple moves, lose control. Get a couple moves, lose control. These guys really are, like, going back and forth and being presented as these even guys and have, a, like, a respect for the way that they, they understand each other. Nothing preps for this whatsoever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is why I'm calling it dumb.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: but then the real atrocity happens. Because who comes to save the day, but Sammy Guevara? So Sammy's the baby face in all of this. Sammy is the guy that is is somehow through all of this supposed to be the one that we're cheering. I I don't get it. I I really don't get it because, it, like. It, what what like I, all right I, I know we talked about uh Dan Lambert being miscast as a babyface and all of that now that's fine but the story seemed to write itself of Scorpio goes baby face Sammy Guevara as a heel off in another place with Ty Conti uh maybe Kazarian shows respect to Scorpio and maybe they're like buddies maybe they're together maybe they're not SCU maybe not whatever right Ethan Page and Dan Lambert stick together. Go off, be bad guys together. Okay, that's pretty cool. How,
0: how is that not what happened here? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. There's so many ways this could have gone that wasn't the way it went. Uh, and trying to just sort of... Be, the fact that they powered through the Sammy Guevara thing to the point where it's like, okay, well, Fine. They they hate him, we're gonna we're gonna lean into it and make him a heal here. Is fine, but you can't just pretend that didn't happen. And with all due respect to, to Kazarian, because he's great, no one cares about him nearly enough that they're going to forget what Sammy did because he comes out for the save. No one.
1: And it hasn't been nearly long enough.
0: No, not even remotely.
1: I don't even know what to say because I was stunned watching it and I think I'm still stunned now. (laughs) I I don't know. This is a weird ending to this podcast this week. I think this is just Drake and I are going to sit here in stun silence and say, well, Dynamite was pretty damn good, but then we watched Rampage
0: and we don't know what to say going into next week for AEW. Yeah. I mean, I, I messaged you after Dynamite was off the air and I'm like, man, this is really good. This is a really good look. And this this gives me hope for what's coming. And then they do this thing that is so incredibly outlandish. I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. It's just weird. Um, I, I don't think they know. I think this was definitely... I, I keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. This whole thing was designed for Cody... It didn't work out, and instead of pivoting, Tony went, okay, well, who else can we be involved in this? Ah, fuck it, we'll involve Sammy in it. Oh, he's dating Ty? Great. Uh, Sammy and Ty. Uh, That's as good as Cody and Brandy. We'll just do that. And then didn't change anything until the fan reception was what it was, and then went, oh, okay, they'll treat them like heels. We'll make them heels. And and then was like, great. This is over, maybe, but also it's not because he's doing the run-in. So we'll we'll just switch them back. I don't know. I can't think of anything that makes sense. I wish I could. Drake, I got nothing. Yeah, so so I I mean that's that's the long and short of it, right? Like that's that's dynamite, that's rampage, that's everything we wanted to talk about tonight. Uh <sighs> so I guess as frustrating as it is, much like the end of Rampage this is where we're going to end this episode of uh, squared circle. Sit down. Any final thoughts? Maybe we can try and end on a better note.
1: Uh, we've got another podcast coming where we're going to talk about, I don't know, other things that make us disgruntled with wrestling, but maybe in a more fun way. So yeah,
0: yeah.
1: something else to look forward to coming and, and we've got more, uh, hopefully another good episode of dynamite. You know what? If you're going to give me at least one solid two-hour show every week, fine.
0: Fine. Yeah. And uh, hopefully next week... So, yeah, we'll, we're going to have our Pet Peeves episode uh, later this week on Thursday. Uh, also, hopefully next week we'll talk a little bit about Super Juniors. But Super Juniors is starting and that's exciting. Yes, let's go. Alright, and so that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to Review us, rate us, like, subscribe, share. Contact us. Give us some stuff to talk about because we definitely want to hear it. Uh So thanks for listening. And until next week, remember, you don't have to do the thing the big show did where you face heel turn every couple weeks. You can just pick one and stick with it. Guys can do that for years sometimes. Have a good night.